Hello and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett. And today I want to share a word about missions as I comment on selected verses from Romans chapter 15. This comes from a sermon I preached at Belleville Baptist Church in conjunction with the 2022 annual meeting of the Kaneka Baptist Association. If you will this evening, please take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. I've uh, had the privilege of fellowshipping and meeting with Joey uh, and Steve Dunn. Uh, Joey's sort of the cream in the sandwich between me and Steve, I guess. We're an Oreo sandwich and he's sort of the cream in the middle, I guess, because we're we, we a lot of times when we meet as a as a uh, fellowship of DONs. We'll meet here in um, this county, usually in uh, Evergreen, because it's uh, halfway in between and uh, it's a convenient place. But I've enjoyed meeting with Joey and with Steve. And I'll tell you, uh, Joey has a deep concern for the pastors and the churches of this association. Second uh, Corinthians 11, uh, Paul talks about all the things he experienced, all the beatings and shipwrecks and everything. And he finished with, and besides all this, my care for the churches. And, and uh, really, Paul was more concerned for the churches than he was for himself and all the things that he went through. And I know that care for my churches, and I know Joey has that same care and concern for your churches, and I've, I've enjoyed meeting with him and, and having lunch with him and fellowshipping with him. But tonight, I've uh, been asked to come and, 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 and to give a missionary message, and that's, that's good with me because I have done a lot of um, missionary work. I've spent a lot of time thinking and being a missionary in my, my lifetime when I was a pastor in Russell County. Um, uh, I probably went to more WMU meetings than most w, WMU ladies did when I was a pastor in that church. And then in the association, I was a director of their uh, missions development team. I was chairman of a, of a committee on the association about missions development. And all that it, it came about was that um, in 1995, my wife and I uh, were uh, appointed missionaries with the International Mission Board, went uh, with them for seven years. And and you wouldn't believe the number of people that ask us, what are you doing with your children? Uh, I, we're taking them with us? Uh, I mean, you know, whatever, what, what other answer can you, can you get? Because that's what you do. As a, as a missionary family, you go and serve overseas. And since I've come back home, and um, uh, again, I've been a National Guard chaplain, I've been a disaster relief chaplain, been a state missionary, um, and uh, now I'm an associational missionary. And so uh, I love missions. I do. Missions is a large portion of my life. And what I want us to do tonight is just take a few moments to look and see what missionaries do. 
Um, you know, in that Peanuts cartoon that uh, Charlie Brown and Lucy were talking, you know, uh, Lucy asked Charlie Brown, why are we here on earth? And then Charlie Brown says, to make other people happy. And then Lucy sort of looks off and says, well, then why are they here? <laughs> well, okay, we could talk about that too. But what do missionaries do? What, why are they there? What, what's going on with missions? We are all about missions in the Southern Baptist Convention. Why do we have missionaries? What do they do? And I want to take the, the time to look at Romans chapter 15, some selected verses in this passage, because the interesting thing about the book of Romans is it has gotten a lot of notoriety about being a very theological book. And it is a very theological book. Uh, we see the Roman road, which tells, tells us all about how to be saved. All those scriptures uh, about how to be saved. Uh, but we also see all that discussion of Israel and spiritual Israel and all of that stuff. And then we get into all kinds of different things. A relationship with our government is discussed in Romans chapter 15. But here's the thing about Romans. It's not really intended to just talk about theology. It's actually a book written by Paul to a church that he'd never been to, that he was going to go to someday so that they could help him go somewhere else and be on mission. And he knew this church, the church in Rome, had never had an apostle as their founder. They appeared out of nowhere. It was a grassroots movement. The, 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 we don't really know how the church in Rome got founded, but what we do know is Peter wasn't there when it started. Paul wasn't there when it started. None of the apostles were there when it was started. And what Paul wanted to do was lay a foundation for them of theology, not just so that he could discuss how many angels could dance on the head of a pen, but that he would be laying a foundation for that church to be involved in missions as a sending church so that he could go to Spain and share the gospel. Now, we know he got to Rome. It's an open question whether or not he ever got to Spain. There, there's a lot of argument and discussion about that. But the purpose that Paul had in writing this book was not just to bang home some theological ideas, but to show them how they can be mission-minded and be on mission. So let's look for a moment at Romans chapter 15, and let's start by looking at verse 20. Paul said, and so I have made him my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have also been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if at first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now, 
I am going to the saint, uh, Jerusalem, excuse me, to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor amongst the saints who are in Jerusalem. And then in verse 28, therefore, whenever I have performed this fruit and have sealed them uh, to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. Father, we pray your blessings on your word now as we study it and as we are uh, challenged by it in Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this passage and some other verses in this chapter, we see some things that missionaries do. And the first thing we see right off the top in verse 20 is that missionaries take the gospel where it has never been heard before. Paul made it clear. He says, I don't want to preach the gospel where it's already been preached. He says, you don't need to plow land that's already been plowed. You don't need to seed land that's already been seeded. We need to go places where there has not been a gospel witness. And in the first century, I mean, that was a lot of places because the gospel had made it as far west as Rome, but uh, it hadn't really made it to Spain and other places. And Paul was anxious to take it to those places. He'd already been on two other missionary journeys and he was looking to go on another great missionary journey again to go and to share the gospel because he wanted to go where no one had gone before. And today, we still have to do that. There are still dozens, literally dozens of countries around the world where there is almost no access to the gospel. There are places where it is illegal to take a Bible. There are places where it is illegal to be a Christian. And yet, they need to hear the gospel too. Because what we know for sure is there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only that one way. There's no other way. And so we have to take the gospel. But there are places in the United States that need to take the gospel too as well. Years ago, I was in a missions conference in Tuscaloosa County, and I was spending the night in a little camper trailer on the campus of a church with a missionary called Norm Canada. And Norm was a, was a missionary in West Virginia, Charlestown, West Virginia. And Charlestown is where the suburbs of Washington, D.C. meet the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And he was dealing with people who had come down out of the mountains that for generations past were on welfare. For generations past, mama and grandmama and great-grandmama and great-grandmama had live-in boyfriends, people who were pagan as if they were overseas. And those folks, can I be honest, look just like you and me. But they didn't know, have a clue about the gospel. And he was working with them and sharing the gospel with them. And he told a tremendous story about dealing with a young man and, and how he was able to win this young man to the Lord and through his experience, teach him the word of God and how this young man came to realize, you know, I, I probably ought not to continue sleeping with my girlfriend. I, I probably ought not to be living with my girlfriend. I probably should get rid of my stash of classic pornography. Whatever that is, I don't want to know. 
And all through, he was teaching him, but he had never heard these things before. Missionaries take the gospel where it has never gone before. By the way, Conecuh County is a mission field too. I don't know exact numbers, but you're probably just like Covenant County. 40% of the people in our county uh, are not members of a local church, at least 40%. Probably higher here. But it's probably higher than it used to be in Covenant County too. 90% of the residents of, of multiple housing places, apartments, or mobile home parks are not members of a church and unchurched. So we need to take the gospel as missionaries where it's never gone before. But we also need to do this. We need to do our best as we take that gospel to work ourselves out of a job. Now, that sounds strange. That's what Paul said in verse 22. For this reason, I must have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you for I hope to see, uh, to, to see you on my journey and be helped on my way there. Paul did not t- intend to homestead anywhere. Paul believed in 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul was about multiplying himself. And we need to multiply ourselves also. You see, what he did was he was he would go someplace, he would start a church, he would train up people, he would appoint a pastor or leader, and then he would leave and go somewhere else. He said, Timothy can pastor this church here. He's a young boy, I know, but he can pastor this church, but he can't go and do what I need to do. I've got to go share the gospel. In my hometown of Columbus, Georgia, there's a company called the Ebco Battery Company, E-B-C-O. I don't know what that stands for, something. But their motto is this, we're always starting something. <laughs> their logo is a little toe-headed boy with a black eye. As if he'd already been, he's always, he's always. But that's what Paul was doing. He was always starting something because there are more people that have to be reached and he can't stay in one place as a missionary. He's got to go and do for other people because other people need his help. Now you say, well, uh, Christy hasn't moved on from the State Board of Missions. No, but she don't stay in the building much either. Because I know those days of driving all the way across Alabama to meet with somebody and then driving all the way home and getting home after dark and sometimes getting home after everybody's gone to bed. See, you have to give yourself away, but you also have to multiply yourself. That is a key missionary concept, is that missionaries want to start something, train people, turn it over to them, and then move on to start somewhere else. We see a lot of church planters in our world today, and some church planters are designed as missionaries. They start churches, and then they move somewhere else. Start but a lot of Church planters are called to start a church in one place. And that's good. We love those folks. But the reason why there are so many Methodist churches in the United States is because when the Methodist church came here in the colonial years, their highest form of ministry was a circuit rider. 
It wasn't the guy who stayed in one church. It was the guy who started a a class in this town, and then he went and started a class in the next town, and then he went around and started a class in the next town, and then he came back to this town. And you know, most of those folks, most of those young men did that on horseback, and most of them died before the age of 40. So missionaries take the gospel where it's never gone before. And missionaries work themselves out of a job. But how do they do that job? Well, there's a number of different ways that missionaries do their work. If we look at uh, uh, verse 14, we see a very key way of how missionaries can do their work. Okay? Uh, Well, let's say verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. Missionaries do their work by writing. They do. Uh, Paul wrote half of the New Testament. Nobody knows who wrote Hebrews, but if he wrote Hebrews, he wrote more than half of the New Testament. And, And what is interesting to me is that Paul really was able to take his writing skills and use that work or that tool to really bless thousands and thousands and thousands of people and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches. A a prime example of that is Thessalonica. When Paul got to Thessalonica, he was only there for three Sabbaths. Now, he may not have been there three whole weeks because if he got there on, on, on Thursday and then he had a Sabbath and a Sabbath and a Sabbath and got run out of town on Sunday, he's really only there two weeks. But in those two or three weeks, you know what he did? He planted a church. But you know what that church was? It was immature. And so Paul sat down shortly thereafter and he wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians, his very first book that he wrote, that very first epistle, because he had to help that church. He was a missionary. He had to move on. In this case, he did have to move on or he'd have been a dead missionary. But he used writing and he used it prolifically. He wrote 1 Thessalonians, then he wrote 2 Thessalonians. And of course, we know all the, the work he did with the Corinthian church and, 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 and then his mentoring of Timothy and Titus through writing. Now, missionaries write today. In fact, uh, we have a situation in a closed country where they're using social media to share the gospel. And what happens is when people see those social media posts, there's a, a way they can text somebody. And they get those text messages, and through text messaging, they share the gospel with people that they can't actually see. Writing. Translating the Bible. One of the missionaries that's being supported, not supported financially, but supported programmatically and prayerfully by the Alabama uh, Women's Missionary Union is in Africa and they have translated the Bible into the local language. And we can help them distribute that for just $20 a Bible. Or maybe it's $10 a Bible. Which was it? You remember, Kate? Christy, I, don't, I didn't bring that with me tonight. And, and people can read that Bible in their own language. Years ago when I was in West Africa, we had a... Uh, um, an optometrist come 
with a medical team. And uh, he, gave, he, was, he was doing eye exams and giving away glasses. And this one man came and got a glasses. And when he left the, the building, there was a table outside where we had scriptures in the local language. And he picked up the New Testament with his glasses. And he said, well, you know, I was a high school teacher before I lost my sight. I can read this. I can read what this says. Can I take this with me? And we said, no, that's ours. No, that's not what we told him at all. No. We said, yes, you may. But again, he could see and he could read and he could understand what, 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 what the Word of God said. Missionaries also do this work by speaking. Paul says, I, I want to preach where no one else has preached. Paul definitely was a preacher. I mean, he preached so long one day that a fellow fell out of the window and died. It's a good thing Paul was an apostle and he could bring him back to life. <laughs> but let me tell you, you don't have to preach 45, 50-minute sermons to preach good sermons. You really don't. But missionaries speak and they share the gospel. You know what's so great about the fact that you can share the gospel speaking? Anywhere you can go, you can take the gospel. There are places you can't take a Bible. On the Temple Mount, I am told that they search you or you're not allowed to take a Bible onto the Temple Mount in Israel. But you can take your testimony. You can tell how God saved you from your sin by through, through Jesus Christ and how he's working with you on a daily basis. See, anywhere you can take yourself, you can take your words. Anywhere you can take your words, you can take your testimony. Now, obviously, deaf people may have to sign that, but it's still the same thing. Missionaries minister with writing. They minister with speaking. They also minister through their presence. Paul says, I want to come see you guys. I've wanted to come see you guys for a long time, and I'm going to come. Now, he got there by way of the Roman government. <laughs> you know, in the military, we have this thing called space A, space available travel. Paul got space available travel to go to to go to Rome. But there's a power and presence that writing and speaking don't provide. I hate call centers. I do. I'm sorry. I, I know that's the modern way of doing business, but I really would just like to sit down in front of somebody and do business. I just would. And being present with people is different than watching it on TV. It's different than reading it in a book. When you are present with people, you can hear the sounds. You can see the sights. You can smell the smells. And let me tell you, it, it's important to smell the smells. I was in Mexico City, and I smelled this wonderful aroma. And I, I think it was sandalwood. But it made my whole attitude on life better to be in that place. By the way, Mexico City is a wonderful climate. It's never too hot. Well, June, it's hot. But January, February, March, it's 6,000 feet above sea and it's beautiful. Weather's It's like Hawaii. It's great. But going and being with people, 
shows an interest, shows a love and a care that nothing else does. People have said that Job's friends got it right until they opened their mouths. And then they sort of stepped in it. Paul said, I want to come see you guys. He visited new places. He visited old places. What happened after the first missionary journey? They took stock and said, we had a good, that was a good trip. Let's go back and see how the churches are doing. But eating the foods and wearing the clothes and smelling the smells. I have, when I was in Hawaii, excuse me, when I was in Africa, I had an African name. And that's how they knew me. Spoke the language. We also see that we talked about the benevolence that they did. Paul, uh, uh, Christy's already talked a lot about benevolence and, and we know about what all is being done with the food banks and things of that nature. But, but Paul was a missionary and he saw a need at the church in Jerusalem and he gathered all the other churches to come together and to share what they had so that the Jerusalem church could be blessed. But the other thing about that is they were doing it together. One church couldn't help the church of Jerusalem. All the churches together could help the churches in Jerusalem. And of course, finally, missionaries do their work through prayer. Look, look with me. In verse 30, now I beg you, therefore, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. We should never denigrate the ministry of prayer. Prayer is more powerful than we will know this side of heaven. When we get to heaven. We'll understand prayer. But prayer is powerful. Prayer is when you take someone and you bring them to the throne of grace and you bring them into the very presence of God. And missionaries pray. They pray for those who have sent them. They pray for those who they're working with. They pray for their fellow missionaries. Missionaries pray. If you've never been on a prayer walk, it's a wonderful experience. Graham Kendrick, uh, who is a fellow from England and a, and a, a musician and an uh, influential person there, he said, prayer walking is praying on site with insight. Like being present with people. You know, you see things when you do prayer walking that you never would otherwise see. I remember one time doing a prayer walk in a neighborhood that I knew well. I had driven through that neighborhood hundreds and hundreds of times. But walking at two miles an hour is different than driving at 20 miles an hour. And you see things. You see little alleyways that you never saw before. And you wonder, who lives down that place? You see toys in a yard that you never saw wonder how those children are doing. You see, you might see a shrine to a God that you didn't see driving at 20 miles an hour. 
But as you see it, then you can pray and bring that under God's. It's already under God's sovereignty, but bring it under the power of that prayer. So you know the term full gospel preacher? Baptists don't like, would probably not like to be called a full gospel preacher because we know what that means in our theology. But Paul was a full gospel preacher. He preached with his words. He preached writing. He preached through his benevolence. He, he preached through being present. He preached uh, through prayer. He preached in all kinds of different ways. And these are the same kind of things that your missionaries are doing for you today on the mission field. Whether that be in a place like Romania, dealing with refugees from the war in Ukraine, or whether it's a place in Africa where someone is translating the Bible into a language that never had the Bible before, or, or whether it's in a major city where missionaries are engaging college students in that very tempestuous time in their minds when they're trying to figure out what the world is all about. Or who was it that likes the Baptists, the Saudis? Or dealing with Saudis in Alabama. But when you work together, everywhere your missionaries are, you're right there with them helping them work themselves out of a job, helping them share the gospel where it's never been shared before, helping them make disciples in Jesus' name. So if there was a reason for our associating together, mission certainly is one of them. It's a powerful reason because we can't do it by ourselves. But together, we can do all these things that Paul did and we can do even more. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had to be together tonight and uh, to share in your word. And Father, Paul was bold. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Father, I would be scared to say that because I don't know how well I imitate your son, but Paul said to imitate him. And he did his work as a missionary. He had the attitude of a missionary, the method of a missionary. And Father, help us be inspired by him tonight that we would serve you even more fully. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing, I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.